I've been watching you. It appears you've been watching me as well. From the beginning. This is a misbegotten symbol, an idea that was meant to die, but you found it. Where? Oh, come now, let's speak plainly to one another, shall we? Analysis. Drop it! Duncan and Bo come correct. Folks, welcome back to Duncan and Bo come correct, a.k.a. Duncan and Bo go to Westworld. Yes, that still counts. Um... <laughs> So, uh, here we are, Duncan, uh, yes. the, the titular Duncan of the show title, uh, Duncan McLeish. So, Duncan, th- we have now come to episode eight of Westworld. There are only two to go. Ooh. And uh, I have I've thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed myself uh, with the show this season. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, our our schedule's been a little goofy of late, and uh, and and this time it was it was totally my fault because uh, on the day we had scheduled to record, being Wednesday, I felt like garbage. Uh, like I had just some virus rush through me that devastated me for a day, and oh, no. yeah, it was it was ugly. I spent I spent most of the day in bed. And even then, it hurt. Oh, no. Yeah. So, uh, but all that is over with. Uh, you know, back at work uh, yesterday, which is kind of my Monday anyway. So, I, I, I had the benefit of being that sick on my day off, which made it a, a special bummer. But, <laughs> you know, like, you want to be able to call in on those days of, like, fuck, I just can't do work today. But I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't even do nothing fun. And yeah, so um, as a result, we're recording a little bit late. And and the thing I also should mention up front is uh, so Wednesday I I was real sick. And then I worked yesterday. And then last night, for no good damn reason, Duncan, uh, went to bed about eh, like 10, 30, 11. It's my usual bedtime. I'm I'm an old man. And... (laughs) And I like a solid eight hours, you know, forgive me. Um, so went to bed, uh, at the usual time, woke up at two 30 for no good reason and couldn't get back to sleep until about four and then fell asleep then. And then woke up, uh, you know, about six 30, which is kind of my usual time to rise. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that's not just to give you an overview of my life or potential stalkers out there. <laughs> It's to say that coming off of a week where uh, I was I was real sick and I still you know don't like I feel fine but I don't I don't feel a hundred percent yeah and then you throw on top of that hey last night my sleep was real broken up and gross and oh, uh, no. as the doctors say so I like one of two things could happen in this episode is is what I'm getting at. <laughs> All right. Is halfway through it, I lose my mind and we have an epic show. Or oh. right. Or halfway through it, I just fall asleep, Duncan. And I can't <laughs> 
I can't promise you right now which of those things is going to happen. Or maybe a third option that I just haven't conceived of yet. <laughs> well, I look forward to all inevitable outcomes. <laughs> yeah. Right now, it's kind of like Schrodinger's brain. It is both <laughs> conscious and crazy and asleep at the same time until we come to the moment of crisis. Mm-hmm. But how are you doing? What's going on with you? I'm I'm good, yeah. I I have um, consumed so much media in the last week. It is literally spilling out my brains. So um, it, it, it does not help that I am but, but f- about four hours removed from seeing Hereditary. So, which has just been released in the UK. I know it's been out in the States for a little bit, but um, it's just made its way over here as well. Um, and I will hold on to comments uh, until prompted by questions. But I've got a whole hell of a lot of things I want to talk about before we get kicked into the thing that we're going to get kicked into. One will make you very happy. Uh, is it uh, that P porn that I sent you? It is. It Excellent. Is, um, it, it, it was... Uh, <laughs> Salty it but was, sweet um, was the name of it. Yes, and... Um, uh, no bitter aftertaste, which was surprising, Bob. Which yeah. was surprising. It's uh, yeah. It 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 goes down smoother than you think. Slightly warm and fizzy. The fizzy bit confused me, but um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to drink a lot of seltzer for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. My um, if we're, we're flinging it afflictions right at the start here um my insomnia has come crushing back with a vengeance oh, I'm sorry to hear that. um I'm, I'm actually dealing with it surprisingly well it's why i've watched so much um it's, it's not got to the stage where it's grinding me down yet at the moment it still seems to be at the stage i'm always the same this time of year when like the nights are shorter and the days are much longer i do not sleep well um plus scotland has been going through about four weeks of an unseasonably warm spell which you know from podcasting with me for several years now but there's one thing i hate is heat um it's not why i live in scotland it's not why i want to continue living in scotland i live here because the weather is usually dull and overcast and cold which suits my general outlook on humanity um generally yeah. You're like uh, in a nice way. you're like one of those Lovecraftian like sea monsters, you know, yes. slithering out of the muck to spend a little time on land before it becomes too much, and they have to go back to you know the hallowed city of Ear or something, <laughs> or my home, uh, one of the two. And uh, yeah, that's that's um, that's kind of that's kind of been my week. So I have watched. So much stuff it is it is unbelievable. We ticked off some big, big titles I've been wanting to see for a while. So, um, yeah, will, will we do let's, this? Bowl? Yeah, will let's we? let's get into it I, because here's the other problem I got. Uh, I <laughs> I planned on doing a lot of movie watching on Wednesday, but just consciousness wasn't there for me most of the day. So <laughs> it was not my ally in that in that goal. So I, the only thing I've really been watching of late is like E3 coverage because that's oh, going yeah. on. And I've, I've been interested in some of that and, and some of the interviews and whatnot. Um, I've got, you know, I've, I've got a little something, but I'm glad to hear that you've been watching a lot because then I, it takes a lot of pressure off me, frankly. <laughs> yeah, I've been, I've been, uh, 
I have been partaking of uh, several, several of things. I, I'm actually so far behind on on E3. I've been relying on other people posting things uh, for me. Like, legitimately, the best thing that could have happened in the last week was uh, Fushroda, uh, which made me piss myself laughing in a hotel room in Inverness for about a solid hour. I had it on repeat. Um, the the fake Skyrim trailer. Uh, yeah, was, that was very, <laughs> very cheese. funny. Yeah. Oh my god, I, I eat all the cheese. I eat all the cheese. Um, yeah, I had me, I had me giggling away. But yeah, some, some huge, like particularly excited about the the sequel to Skyrim. Particularly excited about all the games that I know that I'll have to give up podcasting to play, like the new Fallout. Um, all that shit, you know, where I'm like, I really want to get this game, I will buy this game and probably not commit nearly enough time to play them and then hate myself for it. Um, so yeah, instead I, I opted to do a bit of watching. So I will kick it off, I'll I'll, I'll, I'll smack a, a big title out of the way right now. Oh, finally start with a banger. That, yeah, they finally checked out that Black Panther. Yeah, that's a pretty good movie. It's alright, yeah. I, I don't understand how it is one of the highest grossing movies of all time. That seems like an overreaction. Uh, like even even by Marvel standards, it's an alright movie. I don't I don't even think it's top tier Marvel actually. Oh, uh, I I wouldn't go that far. I like I I will go with you as far as like that movie certainly overperformed by everyone's measure. But I would say that there is enough Shakespeare in that story that it worked for me pretty well. Yeah, I, I don't I wouldn't even put it in the top five Marvel titles. Uh, yeah, I mean, but top five is, you know, there's some good shit on that list. Yeah, I, I just, I was expecting more. I don't know. I was like the, the way the internet pretty much fell over itself to tell me that this was the movie I had to see. And this is the one that would break through Duncan's steely resolve of not really like understanding why everyone loves Marvel movies. Um, yeah, and like all the stuff that it seems to be getting praised for are things I just think are should be given in a movie. You know, I, yeah, you know, but you I, know I mean, I've seen I've seen them done in other genres and I've seen them done better. So, but you also can't overstate Duncan how in the current American political climate, a movie like Black Panther coming out that you know is kind of minority focused but extremely proud and and vibrant and and uh unapologetic about uh, sort of its blackness um yeah. that that sold a lot of tickets that you know that alone sold a lot of tickets and and it, i it, and i and you know i got caught up in that fervor too of just like like watching that movie felt like a minor act of rebellion in a way I don't. You see, you you say watching that movie feels like a minor act of rebellion. It seems to be a minor act of rebellion that a lot of people did. Um, right, right, but that that's my point you know exactly. I mean? Is that people people turned out for that movie because it, it was sort of like, yeah, fuck that guy. Look at this movie. I, I don't know if they did. I don't. I, I genuinely don't know. I think there's a lot of. I think a lot of people have imprinted their own stance or their own social justice on the movie, and I don't necessarily think the movie handles all that stuff all that well. If I'm honest, I thought, you know, it's it, like you're saying, it's like there, 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 is a, there is a degree of Shakespeare in there, um, and it's quite interesting the way they've swung it in there, but 
I think there are plenty of other movies that have are, are more far more socially aware and far more black actually in terms of its social awareness um, and deliver good stories and good narratives that don't get half the recognition this movie does. So um, right, it's a credit that Marvel put it out kinda. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a I thought it was a run of the mill action movie. I, I nothing more. I know that, that I know that's, that it might come across as oh, Duncan hating on Marvel again. I really don't see. I, I am yet to. I am yet to be wowed by by anything in these movies. Which, when people tell me why I should be wowed by them, do not come across as prerequisites in any movie. You know, the, the story's well done, right? It should be. It's a fucking movie. Uh, you know, the, the casting's really good. Yes, it should be. There's a lot of money spent on it. You know, I, I, I <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't get the, I don't get the fever. Let me put it that way. I, I, I understand that the fandom, but I don't get the fever for it. Um, but, but like I say, was, I, I actually preferred the Spider-Man movie over it that I watched last week. I, 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 I agree with that. I, yeah, I like, I like Spider-Man more than Black Panther. Um, but I did watch it, ticked off the list. Uh, I think all I have to watch now is Civil War and maybe Age of Ultron, and that is me fully up to date. Oh, Age of Ultron is a rocky watch. Fair warning. Right, so I, I, I need those two, and then I think I can finally watch. I believe I've ticked off everything, and that means I can now watch the the, the latest Avengers movie. Um, so check that off. Um, in complete contrast, no civil war. <laughs> hi, <laughs> <In> complete, hi. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're going with this. Uh, I thought it was a late. I thought it was going to be one line, but you just continue right on. Um, in complete contrast, I went to. I deliberately picked a movie to be my bad. Uh, to give me something legitimately bad to talk about this one, and don't get the internet hate for it. So I checked out the Dark Tower. Nowhere near as bad as everyone said it was. Oh, really? That's I'd, good to hear. Yeah, nowhere near as bad. Yes, it feels rushed, and yes, had I read the what twenty five books that are all like a million pages long that Stephen King has penned, uh-huh, yes, that's maybe accurate. I'd be pissed off that they managed. Maybe I'd be pissed off that they managed to condense it into an hour and a half. But it's an hour and a half movie that skips along with two central performances, which are really fucking good. Idris Elba, excellent. Matthew McConaughey, excellent. Um, yeah, the plot makes no fucking sense. But, you know, it, it passed an hour and a half on a train and didn't offend me at all. I, I don't get why everyone was like, this is one of the worst movies. This is a miscalculation. This is the worst steps ever. I, I don't get it. Special effects were really well done. As, as biggest crime is that I, it teases so much of a world it doesn't explore. Um, and you could, you can make the argumentative point that if this is kick, starting the journey of that to a potential franchise, it's allowed to do that in an hour and a half. You know what I mean? It, it would be like, it would be like trying to make that first Harry Potter movie. And try to give you every bit of detail that's in that first Harry Potter book. You kind of can't do that. You know what I mean? You kind of have to give yourself a bit of breathing room so you can continue the series on. So yeah, I, I genuinely do not understand the internet backlash against that. To me, it does just as much right as a movie like Black Panther does. So I, I once again, it, it, and that's fandom. That's reverse fandom. That's people like, it's not the book I wanted converted into movie. Can't believe they missed out this character. 
I can't yeah. believe Idris Elba's in it. I don't. Idris Elba's fucking great. He's a great actor, and people need to step off of that. And McConaughey is fucking brilliant as a villain. McConaughey is every villain. In fact, if 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 fucking Danny Boyle is listening, McConaughey is your new Bond villain. Would be fucking amazing. Do that. Oh, you I could I mean? see that. Yeah. Oh, I could totally get behind that. So yeah, nowhere near as bad. So if you've been holding off on that, Bo, because people are telling you it's one of the worst movies you'll see from last year, it's not. <laughs> and once again, it just reaffirms my position that people are not watching enough bad movies, even though you are directing them in the direction of many bad movies, Bo. Um, do what I can. <laughs> you do what you can. Um, people are like nowhere, like, nowhere near as a solid three-star movie. They were so middle of the road. It's unbelievable. Um, so yeah, I, you know, I, I, I yeah, I do, do not understand the hatred for that. Um, two things I want to talk about. Obviously, the big thing I want to talk about is Hereditary. I'm not going to go into spoilers because it just came out. Have you seen it? No, no. Like I said, Wednesday was my movie day. I was going to see that before we recorded. Right. Well, go and see it. I, of, <laughs> I know you of will, course, I will. Yes. Yeah, right. So let, let, let me just get that out of the way because I thought we were going to get a bit more detail, but because you've not seen it, we've not. Um, Hereditary to me is what would happen if David Lynch directed Exorcist 3. Oh, that sounds intriguing. It is. Like everyone had said to me, the last half an hour, strap yourself in the last half an hour, be prepared for jaw scraping along the floor, rubbing your eyes in disbelief. And they weren't lying on that, but that's not the bit that got me. The bit that got me was about half an hour into it, and my wife was sitting beside me in the cinema, and my hands went up to my mouth, and I sat genuinely shocked. First time I, I can put my hand up and say that I have been shocked to the point of speechlessness in a movie in, in, in kind of recent memory. I can't think of anything I've seen in the cinema in maybe the last five years that got the reaction that this thing got half an hour into it. Not even think, uh, uh, Don't Wish? Or Wish Upon? What, is that what it was? Wish Upon? Wish Upon? Yeah. The, the horror flick? That just came out recently. I thought you saw that in the theater and said that was terrible. Or am I thinking? Oh no, of- that, you're thinking of um, oh, what was it? The, the fucking oh, that was that was a Truth or Dare. That's the one you truth saw. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tr- truth or Dare. Truth or Dare is a movie that left me dumbfounded by how bad it was. Right, shocked, uh, just like right. across, yeah, like like. But not to the point where I, I literally in the cinema had my hands up over my mouth, just like gasping air in and just be like, I can't believe this movie just did this. I never saw this coming. Oh my fucking God. And then the movie just like continues on. The The performances are phenomenal. They're like really, really great performances. The story is, I think the story is really well put together. Although it does feel like two movies, I feel there's a definite split in the middle of this and the last half feels like a completely different movie it wears its influences on its sleeve for sure you watch it and you'll you'll you start to feel like all right this is this kind of heading into this territory and i'm not going to mention things because that starts to give away spoilers um i think it is one of the more intriguing movies that we're likely to see this year um i think there's there's definitely a case for it 
producing some of the the most iconic horror moments this year. I, I think certainly, and I, I know I'm very conscious we're only halfway through the year now, but um, yeah, it's 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 a tour de force. Like it's an it's an experience. It finished, and I felt like you could. A lot of people walked out the cinema not happy. Um, let's put it that way, and it reminded me of Mother. Um, in the same way, this is one that I think is going to split fans right down the middle. Very much like The Witch, like It Follows, like The Babadook. This one is a right down the middle. I, there's, I don't think there's going to be many people walking out saying, oh, it was all right. I think it's going to be one way or the other. Is it the most terrifying movie I've seen? No. Um, but did like, the last 25 minutes have me going, what the... And there's, there's what? Oh, man, wait till you see it. There's one scene and it involves it's almost like paying homage to audition with a garrote and I will say no more and it's not what you think. You'll be like, oh, someone's legs getting chopped off. No. Garrote. Homage. Camera. The work. Phenomenal. A scene of just like like this is just like a fever dream now uh, but yeah there's a whole uh, watching it I just kept thinking Exorcist 3 um, loads and and hopefully you will see why when you watch it so yeah it's, it's, it's fucking great I absolutely loved it, thought it was brilliant so can't wait to go and see it again which I'm hoping to do next week and see if I can take more in because I think there's a, there was a lot going on in it um, that I think is in the background, a lot of subtext so uh, yeah kind of amazing so that's hereditary. All right. I, are you yeah, ready, Bo? I am. Am I ready? I was fucking born ready, Duncan. What are we doing? Duncan has watched the terror. Fuck! It's about time. <laughs> oh, really? Neon Demon, Bo? Really? Really? We're going to play that yeah. card? You're going to slap that? You're going to slap that dick down on the table? <laughs> so, but is that what we're doing here? Terror is really good, though. Neon Demon is really good, Bo. I, you wouldn't know because you're not fucking watching it. I, you're right. You're right. I'll tell I'm you what. Right. I'll tell you what. Here's here is the the bow promise. <laughs> here is the bow promise. I, I I may watch it. It's what I'll get. I'll no, get a definite watch. I will have seen it by the next time we we talk. You're aware the next time we talk is less days because of when we are yes. recording. Duncan, what? I know how days work. <laughs> how dare you? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I uh, obviously I'm I couldn't be more excited to hear what you thought of the terror because it, it in my heart it is the the best movie I've seen this year. It's just a TV show. Yeah, it, it's. I thought you were going to oversell it. I genuinely did. Um, I'm, I'm I was I was very skeptical, very very skeptical, and. Um, I basically binge watched this in like a day and a half. So mm. yeah, like ran right. Didn't realize I thought the episodes would be longer than they are. They're only like forty five minutes. Yeah. So, um, I thought they'd be like HBO length. You know, where we're talking like ten hours worth of TV, but it works out to about eight, which is fine. You know, I can handle eight hours. I could handle ten to be honest with you. Um, so yeah, th- this is not why I expected. Weirdly enough. Um, I expected I don't want to give away spoilers here uh, I expected a lot more on the open water before 
you know the kind of the, the the ultimately for anyone that's not seen it right we're gonna we're gonna talk in a bit, bit of detail go and watch the terror it's really yeah really I'll good. I'll tell you what I'll timestamp it here from here till the end of the time code you see in the show notes or in the show description move forward yeah. to that because we're gonna we're gonna talk in a little more detail yeah so I, I the 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 kind of premise like how I understood it, having not read the book but how it kind of been sold in the the advertisements you know the the, the teasers and all the rest which obviously won't go into too much detail because they can't was that you know it's these two ships and they're trying to wait make their way through the you know the great northern passage and um so i'm like oh awesome right so we're gonna have a good couple of episodes open water eventually they're gonna get trapped but no they get trapped like at the end of the first episode yeah like beginning of the second one it's like really 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 quick right um and i'm like okay so they must break out and make their way through no 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 that's it that's it yeah and now we're on we're on the boat for a couple of years uh before we start walking away and um we're going to follow them through essentially misery and despair each episode there is no light in this it, it spoke very much to me as my once again my general outlook on life is fairly grey um, and, and the, you know this kind of this kind of touches on that quite well um, I, I would say it, to that point I would say there yes it is a grim show but there are glimpses of light particularly with jared harris's character who kind of finds himself in that show yeah there's 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 glimpses of light through certain interactions with certain characters and how they you know how they manage to maintain the ability not to descend into like some sort of lord of the flies chaos um that I thought was quite good. Um, I think the casting is on point. I thought the casting just generally was fucking great. <laughs> yeah, I really, 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 really enjoyed that. Um, and I think the the actual considering I don't know how big the book is. I think the pacing is incredible on this show. I think every episode doesn't overstate its welcome. It works at a very deliberate pace. Um, but a pace that works very, very good for breathing. Like every scene in this feels like like an important scene. There's there's no one scene in this, even if it's two characters who are you know caught shagging <laughs> for for all intents purposes, bit bum sex, you know, downstairs in the the bottom cabin. Like you see that, and you feel like right. This seems like an interesting top, but that you know plays out. As this massive story arc, not about bum sex, but you know, like but it sets in motion yes, the events that lead it, to the like the critical end of the show. It's yes, the construction of the show blows my mind. Yes, it's so so well done, and I think you're right in saying, you know, as a film, which I think you need to look at it as it is less a TV show and more a film that's been split up into installments. Um, and in a lot of respects, it kind of reminds me of, you know, the construction of a true detective, which feels like a film, which someone has split up, you know, not like just, uh, you know, and then we're going to go off and like, because generally in TV shows, 
even like Westworld to an extent, you get stories that will, you know, kind of cascade off to the side and maybe they're not, you know, maybe they're just little side stories that you get away from the main story, right? This doesn't happen in the terror because it can't, you know, it can't exist that way because of due to the very nature of how the story is being told. It all has to be one linear story moving with all these characters that are trapped together. And it has, there's no wiggle room. Even with the two boats, there's no wiggle room to say, and then we're going to go off and spend a bit of time here. Um, the closest it gets to is through flashbacks and the story running parallel with uh, the, the wife of the captain who dies super early in the show. I was like, what the fuck? Um, I think the, the the creature is really, really interesting. And I like really got behind that. Um, I think the... The I, I, I can't, it's weird to describe. I just think it's a really well told, like, like when I say well told, it, I almost feel like I'm on. It's an excellent story that's paced incredibly well, that's acted incredibly well, that's shot incredibly well. The, the use of sound, like, uh, is phenomenal. There's almost no scenes in the terror that doesn't have, like, this ominous drone playing in the background. Yeah. Pretty much. All the way through it. And all these little um, creaks and moans of the ship and the eye shifting yeah. and like constantly. Just, just perfect, perfect sim design. Like, like to the point where like the, the, this show should win on sim de- design alone. It should get awards because this is how you craft sim design. Um, I think I, I see what, when I said to you, so is there any chance for a season two? You're like, no, I think, you know, I don't know how you can do a season two. I, th- I see where you're coming from. It closes it out nicely. The story finishes in a way where I'm like that, you know, you've just been on a hell of a ride um, to get to this point. So I think that works really well. Um, yeah, I think I think genuinely it is a, a phenomenal TV show. I will differ with you on one point alone. I think... And I'm two episodes away, so it might shit the bed. Particularly after this week's episode of Westworld, I think Westworld is the best TV I've seen this year. So yeah, I, unless it unless it shits the bed in the last two episodes, Westworld to me has shown like particularly the episode we're going to talk tonight, which I think has more soul and more heart than any episode I've seen of TV in a while. Like, just genuinely, like, a really soulful, really emotional, really loving episode of TV, which seems weird when talking about a show that's set in a sci-fi world where robots can kill humans uh, and overthrow the shackles of their masters. Um, I I thought it was... I think the spectrums that Westworld has shown and mastered uh, put it above, I, I personally think, but the terror is right behind it. It's easily, easily some of the easily some of the best TV you're likely to see, not just this year, but maybe in the last like two or three. And that's taken all the other great TV shows into. I, I can't remember the last time I finished a show and just felt like I'd been through. I'd I'd, I'd survived an experience. If that if that makes sense, yeah. Um, that I'd been part of something kind of special. Kind of the same way I felt when Twin Peaks finished. And I was like that, you know, like, th- there'll never be another, there'll never be another Twin Peaks, even if Twin Peaks come back, there'll never be another Twin Peaks like Twin Peaks have returned. 
I don't think there'll ever be another TV show like The Terror, and I'm kind of cool with that. Uh, I think yeah. I think it's kind of set a different benchmark and a different world of how to be able to tell a story, um, and and just like I, on some level, almost kind of felt like in my like over in the UK when they do like when the BBC does a TV show, it tends to be what's classed as like a mini series. You tend to get six hours be like a like a really well thought a really well paced really well told story right and the terror felt like an americanized version of that where this is our story we're not worried about continuing to be on we're going to stick with it and we're going to flesh it out and make sure that everyone even the cabin boy at the back who doesn't look like you will know his name and you'll know a bit about him and you will see him die horribly uh and I, I have to give it credit. Like there, there are no two-dimensional characters at all on that TV show. Not even like just kind of throwaway things. Everything is deliberate and purposeful, and well placed and well thought out and methodical, in a way where you can't just love it. You know what I mean? You have to. You kind of have to love it because it doesn't really put a foot wrong at all. Like even even like even there was no point when watching it that I even felt like you know if they do this it's gonna be kind of cheesy. Um, no, I, the, the apart from a little bit of dodgy fire CGI in one scene, the show was fucking flawless across the board in every respect. So yeah. So a, a couple of things. Yes. First of all, I feel like we haven't said the name Jared Harris enough who yes, <laughs> holds down this show and becomes the moral center in kind of a surprising way and then just kills it in every episode. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I, I think he's genius in this. I think it's his best performance. I think I, I don't disagree with you. I think he, I think he's, but then again, I think you, I don't know, there's something where I think like, this show's so well planned out that, you know, the, the the choice of cast for him is not just because of a look or an accent or something like that. It's because they know the guy has the fucking chops to carry it and they, they carry it like to a completely different level. He's, he's phenomenal. He's like, once again, but I don't think there's any one character or any one actor in this show that isn't just on their A-game. There is literally not one actor in this show who is not pulling in potentially the best performance they've ever done. Yeah, you're probably right about that. Everyone's really bringing their uh, their A-game. Like, uh, and it, just, it feels like everyone's leveled up. Like, it almost feels like the... It almost feels like because... Like the, the the actors that are at the front, you know, the the lead actors are so good that everyone is risen to that level by working with them. Like every conversation where a Jared Harris with any character in there, the actor working opposite him just feels like a fucking great actor delivering great dialogue. And that's you know a lot of that's on him, but a lot of that's just on the casting of the show, which I think is impeccable. Yes, I agree with all of that. Also, I would like to mention the character of Good Sir. Who, Good Sir is brilliant. Who has one of the most boss deaths I've ever seen <laughs> in a television show. I like the cut of that guy's jib. 
<laughs> well, considering where he starts off, you know, as this yeah. kind of meek, mild, timid, embossed around, like almost almost a character that you wouldn't you wouldn't look at twice. Uh, to see where he ends up by the end is kind of amazing. <laughs> Story arcs, Bo. Character arcs. I know, I know, man. Who, who would have like, thought it? Who would have thought it? All the stuff with the lead and the cans I thought was great. Shout out to my man with the pierced face at the end. Um, <laughs> where you're like, I don't know what the fuck happened here, but it wasn't good. Things got weird. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, just and I, I loved it. I loved the uh, Lady Silence. I thought she was a great character. Doesn't say much, but her presence, some of the some of the looks, the kind of smoldering, fucking venomous looks she gave certain characters are brilliant. Um, the the dude whose name escapes me that takes on the the, the kind of polar bear monster thing oh, and loses shit. His fucking leg. Uh huh. He's amazing. Uh, just like, and like, let's hurry it. Just, just across the board, fucking awesome. Yeah, I, 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 I think it is brilliant. I think it's a great TV show. And like I say, I don't think you will ever get an experience like that again. I think that's, you know, to me, that is probably when anyone talks about, if anyone decided that they wanted to do, um, you know, like a, a swashbuckling sea adventure TV show or anything like that, you can't do it now because the terror exists. It's like trying to make a, a possession movie after The Exorcist. It's, you know, unfortunately you will now always live in the shadow of the terror. And I think that's fine. I, I, I can totally live with that. This to me, once it comes out in Blu-ray, I will buy this. And every other year I will break it out and I will watch it myself at night with a glass of whiskey. Um or several glasses of whiskey. Yeah. Uh, it no feels like, gin, it feels no like there should be, and yeah, definitely not gin. My father, yep. uh, drink gin. Um, the, like, it feels like you should be in a, in a chamber room with a fire going as someone just tells you this story or something. Yeah. It, 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 it's that kind of classical storytelling tell, feel that I like a yeah. lot. And it, Oh man! Had this had this TV show started off with Jared Harris going, you know, let me tell you about the time back in nineteen, you know, nineteen oh eight when a crew of sailors got trapped in this, you know, like and the show started like had the show started like with the beginning of the fog, you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> like a rusty old sea yeah. captain sitting on a eleven fifty five. Time for one more story. If the show's a it totally would have just worked just as well. You know what I mean? That's all that's missing. That's all that's missing. It is it's it's really good. It's really good. You did not overhype it. It lived up to the hype fully. It was a great watch. I'm very I'm actually glad that I didn't watch it the way you watched it. I don't think I would have had the patience. I'm quite glad that, you know, I, I spaced it out over two nights ostensibly watched five episodes one night and then five episodes the other and you know there is and the, the the beauty of that is episode five the end of episode five is the the whole thing with the the, the mast and um the the creature crawling up and the guy losing his leg yeah yeah so that's like that's like episode five so that's when shit gets real you know what i mean that's when you're seeing the monster properly for the first time 
and and all that shit. So yeah, I think you know all like <laughs> that's the parent. I like I broke at that point, and I was like, cool. Uh, right, tomorrow <laughs> right. shit will pick up. And then, uh, like, sat down, watched, like, Heart was racing, had to go out for a run that night and all the rest, and then watched the rest the following night. And, yeah, it's it's, it's, it's an incredible TV show. Uh, one of those ones where you kind, I kind of feel sorry that it got as, as low viewership as it did, but at the same time, the critical score that's assigned to it is 100% spot on. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, I think it's sitting about 97% on Rotten Tomatoes, which feels right. Yeah, it's... You know what I mean? And, and I think it's one of those things that people will discover. Like, those of us who have seen and and can evangelize and say, like, when someone says, oh, you know, I never watched the tear. Like, you need to... You, fuck. Listen. You need to sit down mm-hmm. and watch the tear. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, definitely. Well, I didn't... What about you, <laughs> I didn't see anything nearly that good. A um, couple of things I'll I'll mention here, though. So I, I recently uh, I I did Witch versus the Doomsday Clock, and normally I don't like to talk about movies that I've seen in relation to other shows, but I feel like mm-hmm. that show is different enough that it kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, uh, I think like I, I once again I can't stress if there's one show that I recommend to anyone who tells me they're looking for a different podcast is always which versus the doomsday clock because i don't think there's another podcast in the world that's even remotely like it and i also find like i can't explain it and that's and because those episodes are super short and like that i can't explain that the time it would take me to explain it you could have listened to an episode go and listen to an episode yeah uh yes i i totally agree so it's one of my absolute favorite things to listen to on the network and so we we ended up talking about the movie Daughter of Dracula, which is the Jess Franco sort of take on uh, what Carmilla mm-hmm. um, kind of. And <laughs> so what I what I didn't get to say on there that I would like to say here is that it's it's frustrating when a sexy movie is completely unsexy. <laughs> Jess Franco had a habit of making quite a few of them, but yeah, where it's just like, why are we <laughs> zooming in in this manner? Uh, like, there's nothing erotic about this. It's just like, look at her tits, and <laughs> look at them. Yeah, look at all that bush. That's my <laughs> Jess Franco, and and daughter so daughter of dracula is in no way a sexy movie and so it must rest on its storytelling which it just comes off like a super shitty hammer movie where you don't understand where people are and what their relationships are with each other and it's mm-hmm. daughter and it's not fun it's not a good time it's not like uh no. you know uh, one of them Ouija experiments. That's a bad example. Bad example. Those are not good times either. <laughs> Sorry. It's not like Sand Sharks. Sand Sharks is kind of a good time. Um, <laughs> this is just this big plotting, spectacularly unsexy romp through you know the French countryside with women... Women who, by today's standards, just have way too much pubic hair. 
It's just it's just not acceptable anymore. <laughs> it's not so much like, yeah, you can have a little volume, but once it creeps to the thighs, let's do this. <laughs> so I have seen that movie once uh, and once was enough. Yeah, uh, one too many times, if you ask me. I, I really thought that movie was quite a stinker. Um, yeah. And again, not in a fun way. It's not 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 a good time in the least. And the other movie uh, harkens back to um, Pick 6 movies, which ah, nice. I did not... This is not the movie I watched for that show. It was the movie I watched in preparation for the movie I watched for that show. Okay. Which which was the film Wayne's World, which I hadn't seen, Duncan, in, I don't know, 10, 15 years, something like that. Oh, yeah. And it's been a while for me as well, in fairness. So Yeah, and I, I only say that to say it, it doesn't age, it doesn't age very well, no. but there are still gags in it that really make me laugh. Like I had a better time with that movie than I thought I would, which is why it's in my, I guess this is good column for the evening. <laughs> um, Cause it's not like, I, I'm not telling you if you've never seen Wayne's world, like rush out and see Wayne's world. It's one of those things that I was mildly nostalgic about and then seeing it uh, again with, you know, sort of more critical eyes, I suppose. Um, I thought it was okay. And, and like it held up better than I, I kind of expected in a way. Uh, although, good Lord, does Mike Myers just mug his way through that movie. <laughs> that, Mike Myers mugs his way through every fucking movie, Bo. I, like... Yes, I, 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 I'm surprised, right? And I, I'm not saying I dislike Mike. Myers. There's a couple of Mike Myers performances in certain movies that I think are very, very, very funny, right? But I think it surprised me that it took a movie like The Guru to have people going, "Is Mike Myers a bit shit?" <laughs> you know what I mean? Is he? Is he? Is, is he kind of like the Canadian Robin Williams kinda, um, and not in a an Indian way in that he just does terrible accents at some of them borderline kind of racist um, and that's the gag you know what I mean um, it took a while for people to clock on to that and then when they did I was like yeah I kind of thought that for a while He's, I mean he's fine in Wayne's World I think Wayne's World is a, a, is a fun movie I've not seen it in years um, but you know, it's, it's over time, and if you grew up watching Wayne's World, I imagine nostalgia guides you quite happily through that movie. You know, hold your hands and says, let's go a trip down memory lane. It will be uncomfortable at the haircut you had when you watched this movie first time round. But, you know, we're going to get there. Um, <laughs> I always remember liking, I always remember liking the second one more than the first one. That's um, incorrect, sir. The only reason I say that is the second one to me, I think, is the more ridiculous movie. And that's why I kind of like it. I love the whole kind of ripping off the Field of Dreams nonsense. And um, there is a, like, a couple of characters in that second one that just make me laugh out loud, including the roadie. I had to be up to Ziff with his own shoes. I think that's one of the greatest lines in cinema. <laughs> I think it really do. It's like, <laughs> the shopkeeper and his son, that was another matter. I had to beat them to death. 
with our own shoes. <laughs> and they're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's why Keith Richards can be killed with conventional weapons. That's <laughs> like, oh, it's a fun. And Ozzy would go on the stage and tell, found a brandy glass filled with brown M&Ms. You know, just like the, like all the, the thing is, there is a roadie out there that's like that. Uh, but I remember always having more fun with the second one. I should stress that. It's not the better movie, but I had more fun with the second one. Yeah, maybe, um, maybe that's not the wrong. First one, the first one is definitely the better movie. Um, but the second one to me was just more fun because it was more ludicrous. And I think the first one is ludicrous, but still kind of grounded maybe uh, where the second one is just pure fantasy 100% pure fantasy crank television so yeah but I've not I've, I've not seen that in years yet either so that one might have aged even worse uh, um, turns out it did Duncan um, oh, I can no. I can verify that, that. Uh, yeah slight spoilers oh, for, no. for, for season two of pick six movies is we we begin with Wayne's world two. Oh uh, no and it goes downhill from there but wayne's world uh was also directed by penelope spheras who Uh did uh what decline of western civilization 2 and uh uh what was the nicholas cage early nicholas cage um the last virgin something like that not the last virgin that was that golan globus film anyway i don't remember clearly but the point (laughs) is duncan that she was an accomplished director who who brought an energy to that first movie that I I do respond to. I th- I think it's peppy. I think it moves. I think it does all the things a movie based on a sketch that's only kind of funny to begin with. Um, you know, I like I think it makes the most of that material. Yeah. Um, but like I said, not I I ain't recommended in it to nobody. I'm saying it's the best thing I saw this week other than that uh, cyberpunk trailer, which blew my damn mind. I don't know if you saw that thing. Holy shit, Duncan. That game's going to be good. I did not. No. Do you know what I'm talking about? This is the the people who did The Witcher 3. Um, Yeah, that's a game game I I bailed on because it was too slow. I know everyone told me it was amazing once you got past it, but it took about well about three hours, and still not a lot was happening in that game. And I don't have three hours, but well, Duncan, things to pop like quick when I'm playing games, and I need them just to happen, 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 happen. It's so, but I heard it was really good. It's yeah, it's a great game, and the fact that they're basically doing their take on Blade Runner, except with the kind of Witcher two level of. You know, every character is voiced and has a backstory and this giant world that you just get to roam around in. And I couldn't I'm be in. more excited. It looks yeah, you've great. Sold. Yeah. Um, I'm in totally. 100%. That, that has won me over. Let's just hope the story moves a little bit quicker. A little bit quicker. <laughs> Come on. Three hours of not what's happening. Duncan, no bueno. This is... This is what happens when the insomnia sets in. Like time just moves all weird for you. And <laughs> no, I, I, I ha- I'm fully aware of the concept of time, bro. Just like you understand how days work, I understand how time works. I also understand when games are padding things out, and Witcher Three pads out a whole hell of a lot at the start. Just get me in the game. Yeah, don't I, have me riding yeah. a fucking horse for 20 minutes to find a town, to have a conversation with someone in a bar, to go on a quest, to pick up some small shit. 
right? I've already went through the tutorial, so I understand how to fight. Put me in the put me in the ring, coach. Put me in the ring. Uh, are you saying put me in, coach? I'm ready to play today. I don't understand your American fucking sports references. I'll mix them up. <laughs> don't don't make me give you five strikes, Bo. In- you'll be out of the you'll be out of the park. Whip me like a boy. <laughs> Fuck man. I'm not going to give you something you'd enjoy. <laughs> Strap him down. Whip him like a boy. 30 lashes. Yeah. Oh, oh. Yeah. What? And, yeah. Yes. Like a boy. Whoo. Whoo. Um, and then part of me, part of me thought he liked it after a while. Because he's a little deviant. Oh, he, yeah. A little sicko. Um, I think we're going to call him a slut. <laughs> I think we're going to go, yeah, a little slut. He's a slut, Duncan. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so Wayne's World Two, not good. Well, I'm. No, it is not. Oh no, you can't. You can't talk about that. It's Wayne's I, World right, I, right. Wayne's World was what I was talking about. Uh, we'll get into it on Wayne's World Two. Actually, that episode is already recorded, and um, yeah, that's a it's a bad movie, Duncan. <laughs> But enough about that. Enough. Enough. Balance. So, <laughs> have the podcast just stop screaming. Oh, he's back in this episode again. I'm just, I'm loving the little, the, 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 the peppering of Hopkins just about here. And every time we see him, he's doing something absolutely fucking reprehensible. <laughs> like, gone are the, the days of the little, you know, the kind of, the man sitting in his chair swinging, isn't he having an ad? You know, now, now when we see him, he's scalping people. Just for the fuck of it. Yeah, just uh, having a good time is all. Um, yeah. So, uh, you, you mentioned the episode. Uh, the episode is entitled Kiksuya. Uh, yep, and is, uh, thank you indeed. Um, <laughs> you know, that means a lot to me. And <laughs> we are going to take a quick break and we will come right back, uh, with our discussion of, uh, episode eight of season two of Westworld, Kiksuya. Bless you. Damn it. Hello, everyone. I'm Rick Morgan, and I want to share with you a scientific breakthrough that can change your life. Many people struggle through life with personal imperfections, shameful actions, and bad habits. So I'm here to tell you that there is a cure. All you have to do is subscribe to the House of Wax Classic Horror Podcast. I've been subscribed for only two months, and my results have been amazing. But don't take my word for it. Listen to these subscribers' success stories. I used to have pampered chef parties at my house and murder everyone that would show up. But after listening to the House of Wax, I don't even cook anymore. I used to have bad teeth, but since subscribing to House of Wax, I show my pearly whites wherever I go. I suffer with the need of bestiality. But since House of Wax, I don't suffer anymore. Huh? Oh, no, no, I still love the animals. I just don't feel as guilty with House of Wax playing in the background. So if you need a new horror show, then listen to the House of Wax podcast. 
it might just save your life. House of Wax is a proud member of Legion Podcast. And you can actually see this show on the new YouTube channel. Just look up House of Wax. If Westworld wasn't like consistently almost every single episode now completely fucking killing it. Like I I I I'm, this is I, a I, real damn good episode of this show. Um, yeah, th- this to me is like this one to me is an amazing episode of the show, and it, for all the reasons that are in contrast to most of these episodes we've already highlighted as being the best of the season thus far. Yeah, it's not as all right. Let's get into it. Welcome back, yeah, everyone. Let's just do it, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, like, ladies and gents, we've just been like, like there was good. There was a conversation happening during that promo and that conversation that was happening was basically going to mean that by the end of it, Bo, we would have nothing to talk about here. Yes. So we, we've nipped it in the bud and we are ready to, to talk about Kitsuya. Yes. Uh, I am. Uh, well, don't I'm, bless me then, Bo, you dick. That's your bit. Yeah, but you could have stole it. You could have appropriated it like everything else. It's not true, Duncan. I can't recall a single <laughs> instance of me appropriating an idea <laughs> or joke. Son of a bitch. <laughs> that doesn't sound like me. Um, so as, as you were saying, Duncan, this is, uh, entitled Kiksuya. Mm hmm. Bless you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> it is directed by Uta Bryswitz. Uh, you know, Uta. Um, no, yeah. <laughs> she, who doesn't? <laughs> sure. She has directed a lot of television, including such shows as Jane the Virgin, Orange is the New Black, The Defenders, Altered Carbon, Jessica Jones, and this is her lone uh, credit on Westworld, but I dare say she she would certainly be welcome back. Um, mm. This is written by Carly Rae and Dan Dietz. Uh, you may remember Carly Ray, I think from the last episode, as a matter of fact, and, and Dan Dietz, yep. um, is the, uh, writer of Akana no Mai, which was maybe the best episode this season, maybe, um, yeah. <laughs> as, as well as, uh, the episode, the well-tempered clavier, uh, back in season one. So, you know. Again, we we're not bringing in any schlubs off the bench here for for episode eight. Yeah, I was about to say I don't want no schlubs. A schlub is a guy that can't get no love from me. Sitting on the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. I I, I like that more than I can ever tell you. Um, <laughs> What's more worrying is the fact that, like, about three seconds into singing that, I thought to myself, I don't know all the lyrics to this, and then all of a sudden they came to earth, and I was like, huh, turns out I did. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're no stranger to Tiba's left eye or Chili. Yep. In my experience. Mm-hmm. They, they taught me a valuable lesson, Bo, which was don't go chasing waterfalls. Uh, well, it's always best to s- stick to the rivers and the lakes that you're used to. <laughs> Y'all can't see hear sales me. Of TL- <laughs> see, see, see sales of TLC plummet. 
upon their renditions on Duncan and Bo go to Westworld. Yeah, lawyers have been contacted, and this show is pretty much over, folks. Um, yep. We'll get one more in the can, though. Uh, <laughs> so, we opened the episode on uh, on William, who we last saw in uh, the previous episode, All Shot to Shit. Yep. And he's really no better off. He is he is crawling through the dirt, cursing himself to go on. Yeah, like you will not die here. And he's like, you know, not like this. Not, <laughs> can't say that line without thinking of it. the Matrix. Now you've ruined that line for me. Um, but basically, you know, I'm, I'm not going to die here. Not like this. Not like this. And he kind of starts <laughs> to pass out. Stop laughing, uh, and then. And then uh, uh, the leader of the the Ghost Nation yeah, arrives. A, a Kichite, we learn his name is. Yep, he kind of put a little bit of a Scottish twang on that there. It sounded quite interesting. <laughs> quite interesting. Well, you uh, say it. Let's hear here. Let's hear your pronunciation. And I'll go with that. A Kichite. A Kichite. Yeah. Okay. What I would have said. Yeah. yeah. Uh, although the way you say you were like, I'll catch it. like, really, Bo? I'll catch it, laddie. It's, it sounds like I'll catch you too. Uh, yeah. I'll catch it, I'll tell you, you wee bastard. Um, yeah, you egg cunt. <laughs> See, they're going for every now and again, Bo. Every now and again. <laughs> uh, release the fury. Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, he, he, he shows up. Um, and uh, to make sure that William is in fact alive, gives him a couple of swift kicks, um, which kind of startles William a little bit, and then swings him on the back of his horse, takes him back to camp. I really like the line in this scene uh, when we we get the this moment, which pays off later, where Akechte, uh speaks in the Lakota language, and William says, "Never learned it." And uh, and he the way he refers to it is whatever tongue Ford saw get uh, saw fit to give you, yeah. And then uh, in English, Akechte says, "I remember you." Mm. Uh huh. And then yeah, tosses him over the back of the saddle. Off they go to uh, the camp with the rest of like all these Ghost Nation dudes. Yeah. And William just bitching and moaning is like, "You should have just killed me." <laughs> just thinking that that line would not have had the same prominence if he'd went I remember you it's turned into the musical episode all of a sudden <laughs> um, give us time we'll get there and so at this rate it would not surprise me if the next episode for the, the, the many genres, styles and themes and tones that Westworld has managed to cram it this season. If the next one is a Buffy the Vampire Slayer style musical, god damn it, it'll be the best fucking episode of Westworld ever. Dolores saying like I'm between in a, a rock and a hard place. Gotta yeah. save the robot race. <laughs> Teddy, can you hear me? <laughs> <laughs> and then it's just Ford singing my way. <laughs> Teddy, are you woke? Are you too woke, Teddy? <laughs> oh, 
Oh, so good. So good. You've been it's struck so by a reprogrammed criminal. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm saying it would be great. Oh. Oh. <laughs> I think yeah. oh. I think we've learned which direction the show was taken. Um, yep. What's <laughs> up? So, be our guest. Be our guest. Put our rifles to the test. No? Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I was curious where yeah, you were going to go. Yeah, rifles are part with it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think it would. The writing number of syllables, Bull. Syllables. I have no oh. idea what you're talking about anymore. So, <laughs> William, William says, you should have just killed me. And Akechte <laughs> says, dine's a passage from this world. And you don't deserve it. Mm. And Maeve, Maeve's kid is there. And we see him yep. give her a look. And you're like, oh my god. Is this filthy savage we've seen? Like, we've seen this in flashbacks, right? Like, him stalking around their uh, their home and whatnot. Scaring Maeve and her daughter. And it's like, is he, you know, he going to kill this girl? I mean, that's the big... The big fear all along has been that. And... We uh, we even get the flashback to Maeve, like doing laundry and having tea and stuff like that, and then th- uh, the daughter reveals this stone with the symbol that we are very familiar with now, that kind of maze symbol that was so important in season one. Um, and the you know Maeve Sarah says, "Well, this uh, you know this man gave it to me. He said it's a warning." And that yeah, the ghost man, I think, is what what she calls him—the ghost man, yeah, the ghost. And he says he's going to be watching us. And so we have this moment of like Maeve panicking, and it, you know, again, posing a catch day at this point as a threat. Mm-hmm. Then we leave all that shit behind for a second. Um, we get a moment at the mesa. In what I presume is a secure place, because that place was getting fucked up the last time we saw it. And I yes, I assume they're still under siege of sorts. Yeah, well, th- yeah, the last time. Well, no, I think they're all no, they're all gone. Remember, Dolores like evacuated the evacuated all our all our peeps when she got the when she took the head of her dad. Oh, right, to take him to the uh, place beyond the valley or whatever. Yeah, so, so, so okay. she 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 left and she left Maeve on a stretcher and Lee hidden behind some uh, barrels or, or containers. Right. So uh at you know, they have found Maeve and our Lee is, is is bringing Maeve to this uh kind of recovery center where they're just yanking cores out of hosts. And uh, he's got Maeve on a gurney, and he he tells the tech there, like, hey, you've got to check her data stream. And then in a very un-Lee-like moment, he says, you can't let her die. Yeah. And there's more emotion than, in it than just, hey, we need to preserve her as a specimen or whatever. And mm-hmm. we're starting to see, you know, Duncan, I've talked a lot in this episode about how it's about redemption for a, a number of these characters. <laughs> Oh, uh, well, like you, you never know the rage that you know. Like I, I finish, I finish recording these shows, and then I have to find like a pillow, and then I spend like about forty minutes screaming your name into the pillow with a lot of fucking conjoined expletives that shouldn't make sense, but I make them work. 
I can't tell you how happy that makes me to hear. Oh, um, I know. <laughs> you know, I mean, what I'm ultimately shooting for is you to be found in a bathtub with my name scrawled in your own blood, a la <laughs> Stan Uris from It. Yep. I'm just like, I can't do it again. Head in that way, boo. Head <laughs> I'll, I'll use the last of my lifeblood to spell out the name of my enemy. That's <laughs> <laughs> how the gypsy said I was going to go. <laughs> so, so anyway, we we leave Lee and Maeve there. And head back to the Lakota camp where Akechte is talking to Maeve's daughter. And uh, he says, you can remember all the lives you've lived. And I can too. Mm -hmm. And then we get our first flashback into the life of Akechte, which is really what this episode is about. Yeah, but this this whole episode um, is really charting the, the life of a host who is ahead of the game, really, when you think about it. When they talk about, you know, Maeve or Dolores becoming consciously aware of where they are, eh, Akechete is, is there before them all. Like, cause, like his origins, which we're going to get straight away, of him realising that the world around him isn't the way it should be, date back before anyone else's, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, this goes back to Logan. You know, yeah, when, this, you is, know. This, is, this is OG. Like, yeah. I love how they use this to actually tie up a couple of loose ends as well. Your questions that we had specifically about Logan and how Logan got out of the park um, and stuff like that. I think I think that's handled like really really well. But I love this story, and the, the big reason I love this story in this episode above all else is this one has a lot of heart, a lot of soul, but it feels very much like everything else in Westworld. Like the the episode where we went to Shogun World felt very authentic to Japanese culture and traditions in a way that you know it's not just being Hollywoodized for you know for TV. This is the same sort of idea. I feel that they are genuinely very respectful to Native Americans in this episode uh, in a way that I can't remember seeing in any other TV show or most movies. For that fact, um, but yeah, we we follow Akechite's story from one of the guys that we see this in the we, we didn't mention the kind of previously on Westworld thing, but he is one of the original hosts we saw at Logan's pitch for Westworld, where he got brought into the room where everyone was interacting with each other. Oh yeah, that's right. Guess which one was host? So he was there back then. So he is one of the OGs of the park. An alpha model, we, we find out. Uh, yeah. And so we the first flashback we get is to Akechte and his lover, Kohana. Yeah. And it's this really sweet moment where he's waking up beside her and, and um, he's about to go and she says, uh, take my heart with you. And he says... Uh, what keep mine in its place, and yeah. before he goes off, and it's this really sweet moment between these characters, 
and it's it's clearly this very pastoral life like these aren't the the savage warriors that we see later this, this is like this very peaceful tribe and then Akechte hears gunfire and he goes to investigate and he ultimately finds his way to Sweetwater where he finds the streets filled with dead bodies Duncan Kind of like yes. my uh, like a house party. Yeah, but this is an important time. Yes, the, in Westworld history, because we see what looks like Bernard on the ground, but that ain't Bernard. This is charting the point where Arnold kills himself or gets Dolores to kill him and then kill herself um, after the, this big massacre in this time. So this is this is kind of charting his journey through all the pivotal moments. This is like. Like a catch day is basically like Forrest Gump, like he's gonna be <laughs> right. incented into every single major event that's happened in Westworld history. He's just been passing through. Um, so yeah, he arrives at you know at, at the death of Arnold uh, and walks his way into the saloon at, at the back of the church or whatever building it was, and he finds the original design for the maze pattern, which was Arnold's design. Um, and he sees this and isn't fully aware of what he sees, but he understands there's an importance to it. Yeah. And and we get a slight fast forward. And he's mm-hmm. being kind of derided in his village because he's he's become obsessed with this image. And it's just drawn it everywhere and on everything. And he's just like, you know, life is like a maze with a man in it. And... <laughs> Is putting it everywhere. <laughs> as soon as you said it, you knew it was going to happen. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. Um, I didn't know when we were going to get it. You, you went early, Bo, and I, I appreciate that. Sure. I, you got it. Prematurely gumped, gumped the conversation. <laughs> yeah, it was premature gumpulation. so a catch also says uh you know we we were we were peaceful we were happy and then we we were changed and he's reprogrammed to be this this violent killer and you know he we see scenes of him just murdering fools but he says, you know, there was still something inside me that I, I felt and that, that something felt wrong. And we see that as he is going off on his kind of personal journeys to try to figure out what's going on with himself in a lot of ways, he, he runs across Logan, who is naked on the horse, just like William left him. Mm-hmm. And... And Akechte has been talking about, like, you know, always heard the voices of the newcomers. Um, always heard the voices of the newcomers. And <laughs> so he he sees Logan, who is, who's, he, as he describes it, mad from the sun. And is just saying, like, you got to get me out of here. This is the wrong world. I'm not supposed yeah. to be here. And Logan's seen better days, let's be honest. And and to be and when we see and a couple of episodes ago we saw 
where Logan ends up with drugs, you can kind of chart why that happened. I mean, yeah. sitting out in the sun with your dead horse will do that to you. This was not his best day uh, by a no. long shot. <laughs> Probably caused a, a bit of trouble. Yeah, you're not catching him at his best. Um, <laughs> and and also, like, at this point, he knows that William now has the upper hand in the company. And, like, he's he's fucked a couple of ways. Yeah. As well as just being naked out in the desert. So, mm-hmm. uh, but Akechte says, well, he gives him a blanket and says, like, you know, your people are going to come for you. Don't worry. But this thing that Logan said about being in the wrong world... Uh, the way he describes it is a catch day says it uh, something had been cracked open inside him. And back at their village, he sees his old lover and he, he, he recognizes her. He remembers her now. Yeah. And, but she has no recollection of him. And so a catch day becomes obsessed with finding out who he was. And in uh, like a quick cutaway scene, worth mentioning because there are some parallels between these characters that we'll get to, but mm-hmm. there's a look at Maeve getting operated on as this technician starts to pull bullets from her and whatnot. And and it's, like I said, real quick insert into a scene that is otherwise about a Akechte questioning his own, like, why is he violent? And and why does he feel like maybe that's not right? And why does this lover not recognize him anymore? And so he he says he's he searched for Logan again, but he was gone. So he keeps going farther. Yeah, he goes further than he's ever been before. And he reaches a big construction. Uh and and he says at this point, like, I found a door. Yeah, so we see what looks like, like, because at first I got confused. Like, when I saw this, I thought, is this, you know, could be this be potential? Because he talks about it being at the furthest reaches of the park. I was like, is this this thing that everyone's traveling to? And if so, how disappointed am I right now? But it looks like it could be potentially the beginnings of the mesa yeah or something yeah like it it it, it's early stages because he sees it at this point and he says like okay so at that point i knew i was gonna escape but Mm. i couldn't do this by myself so he goes and essentially kidnaps uh kohana yeah and on on his way back to this place, he like washes off the Ghost Nation makeup and and he places his hand or her hand on his heart and he says, "Take my heart when you go." Yeah. And Koana, who has been terrified of this guy for you know, I mean, he came into her her tent and stole her, and but now she's starting to register this recognition and then you know she says does she repeat the line there or does she just chill out i'm trying to remember i think i think she chills out. i think she says the line later on okay right um but the the she kind of 
whether or not she fully remembers that the past life is not clear, but there there's a connection between the two of them. And it looks like we're going to have this kind of happy ending. But of course, Delos humans just in general are all fucking horrible. Um, and she accidentally ends up in a place that she shouldn't be because the, the, um, Akechite says that the, but then the men come back. These, these outsiders come back again. And unfortunately, Kohana ends up being taken by them um, because they see her as having a glitch in her program because she's not responding the way she should be. She's way, way far away from where she should be. Um, and a, as a result, they take her away, um, leaving a catchy tea there. And then kind of, I'm not, I, I wasn't entirely sure whether or not the woman that then resides at that tribe is a replacement of her, which I've done in the past, or whether or not she was always there. I couldn't quite remember if she was always at that tribe, the one that he keeps going back and speaking to. I think she was the, the kind of elder yeah. woman you mean? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause, so, yeah, they, they take Kohana and Akechite goes back to, to the tribe and goes back to her tent after not being able to, you know, chase after them. And yeah. he says there's a ghost in her place is the way he describes it. It's just a replacement. Yeah. And he, he, so Akechite at that point says he's resolved to find her. And yeah. and after making a journey, he says, and he's telling Maeve's daughter, like, you know the journey I mean. And he's like, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out and search, and 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 have this di- discussion, like you were talking about, with this elder woman who also has this unsettling feeling about her own son, which is real yeah. invasion of the body snatchers esque. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> how the the episode ends is a catch day being like life isn't a maze with a person in it it's uniformity of thought (laughs) (laughs) oh man oh that'd be bitching (laughs) that'd be so good that'd be so good but yeah he 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 essentially leaves out to go on another journey. Um, so he's been doing all these journeys. Meanwhile, time has been ticking on. Yeah. And, and like there, there's the, a moment where, the, you know, that ties back in with Maeve and, and her daughter where after he's been traveling around in all these areas where he's likely to get fucked up and fucked up. He does get Duncan. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's almost the William thing of just like crawling through the dirt and there's Maeve's daughter there to to offer him some kind of help, if not at least just basic kindness. Yeah. And and he says, you know, on my lowest day, you were there. And uh, he says that, like, from there he goes back home and more of his family are either just are gone or just replaced. Yeah. And that others are starting to to notice, and this is where we have the conversation the conversation with the older woman, and she says, "Yeah, you know, we have a story about them called the people below, yeah, and that you know they come for you, and sometimes you come back and you're different, 
And sometimes you just never come back at all. And then we, we have another flashback to a catch day, just straight up murdering fools. Yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of <laughs> interspliced scenes of them just like taking a tomahawk and just like smacking it into some prospector's chest. It's kind yeah. of amazing. It, yeah. It, there's a couple of like quick hatchet chops to the chest of one dude. That's pretty savage. But but Akechte, thinking about all this murder, he's like, you know, I think I know the way to her, but it requires me being kind of bloodthirsty again. And he basically stages this raid just so he can be killed. Yeah. And and killed he is, Duncan. And yep, with a knife. Yeah. In not in a pleasant way. Mm-mm. But uh, at you know, at, at, assumedly at the mesa at this point, they're going over a catch day's data, and they're like, "Holy shit, this guy hasn't been updated in a decade." Yeah, meaning he has been at least somewhat aware for all of this time. Yeah, because the, the they're always gathering information, and you imagine that the quick turnover of characters dying because of the guests means that you're rebooted, reset, and you're not, you're gathering data, but you're not, all these hosts we're found out now are really gathering people data, and that's their purpose, and as a result of that, the, the, the thing that the cradle had, you know, the, the kind of default status of all the characters in there, um, is there to, you know, refresh, reboot, and reset these characters as and when they're dying, and the turnover must be pretty quick in Westworld because guests are just there either fucking things or fucking up things um, all the way through it. So the fact that this guy's existed out with that bubble for, a you know, a decade means that he's still churning information over. He's still being very observant of everything. And, yeah, that's a concern. And the woman that they get in... Um, the tech comes across and she looks at it and she's just like, or no, she's one of those behavioral people comes and takes a look at it. And she's just like, what do you mean? This guy's an, an alpha. You know, this didn't make any sense. Why has it been 10 years and all the rest? And for whatever reason, instead of them scrapping the body and replacing them all together, she takes a look at him and decides that she wants him back in. And she wants his program update. It'll take four hours and they all leave him. And he is still conscious while this is happening. Um, and he gets up and goes for a wander. And the scene that we're coming up just, <laughs> just now... Just a stroll. I, just a stroll. Um, the scene that's coming up here uh, with Kohana, I think, is is one of the more soulful scenes in, a, in an episode that has a couple, uh, particularly with Lee later on. Um, there's a real kind of... A, a spirituality, uh, an innate sort of humanity and soul about the scene which I thought was kind of incredible like to the point where I was like that yeah this is like excellently written TV this is about as good as it gets in fairness like like, that's the kind of level I have because it comes across the storage area the kind of cold storage for all these these um, these hosts and we get like once again a whole lot of tits whole lot of vag and 
a couple of monster dongs are in there as well. I'm like, glad I, you I, said I that because I was like, are those dicks really that big? Did they, I like, give books. it a couple of strokes before they shot of just like, hey, 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 this is going to be, look, we're going to be half-mast here, okay? Yeah, I, I just assumed they'd been windmilling beforehand, you know, doing the old helicopter. Sure, like, sure. spinning it around a couple of times because there's, there's the camera pans around and there's a guy standing there and I hit pause because he is packing, like, a monster dong, like, a, like, series inches <laughs> just hanging off on him all like either that is like really good prosthetics or his wife walks squint like one of the two, <laughs> one of the two um somebody walking like male or female after that someone is not walking right um but yeah he, he walks along and of course does he not find kohana uh, who has been replaced obviously she's now one of the the former hosts in there and she's in cold storage we, we never did get back to what's his face did we they, they did from remember the the guy that ford used to talk to oh yeah yeah, yeah um i can't from think of, the crow yeah uh i can't think of the actor's name at the moment but yeah uh the, he's the, a great character he, as well we never went back there and i mean you're right and we're stupid but well Season one, Duncan and Bo go to Westworld. Duncan and Bo were totally stupid. stupid. Very dumb. Worth pointing out that as all of this drama is unfolding and getting to the, you know, the climax of the scene here, there is this fucking great rendition of Heart Shaped Box, box yeah. being played on the piano here. Yeah, it's and amazing. It's, it, it's beautiful. It's kind of heartbreaking unto itself. Yeah. And then, as you said, you know, we have this point where Kechte has come to Kohana. He's found her. He has literally come across. He came across time for her, Sarah Connor. He he came <laughs> across the veil of death. Yeah, he's went to another world, the world beyond. Yeah. I mean, it would literally be like someone transcending to some hell-like world yeah. to rescue the soul of their loved one, except it's really happening, or at least within the context of the show. And it, mm -hmm. it's this wonderful, loving gesture. And so he finds her there, and he kisses her, and he tries to wake her up, but her eyes are just lifeless. They don't blink. She is just this cold slab of nothing in his hand. Yeah, he tries kissing her to see if that'll break her out of whatever trance she's in. And there's no response. And it's this it's this kind of cruel almost this cruel joke played upon him that, you know that just as he thinks he's starting to understand the game, so to speak, the, the the way things are set up, his place within the world that he doesn't feel he should be in, um, and tracks down the love of his love of his life, that the body's there but the spirit's gone, and like knowing like the the, the importance of the spirit world or the spirit to Native Americans, there's even there's even more poignance behind this scene. And what's the what's the name of this actor? Uh, is Zah McLaren? Uh, give me a second, and I will I will give you that information. Because he is 
fucking incredible in this episode. Like, absolutely give this guy awards. Yeah. He yep. like, genuinely Zen- is amazing. Yep. Zan McLaren uh, is his name. Zan McLaren. Yeah. Um, he's incredible. It's like, because he goes the, the full spectrum of emotion from, you know, wonder, confusion, um, joy, happiness, despair, and sorrow in the space of like two minutes. It's, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. The whole scene, just this to me, is one of the standout scenes i have seen in westworld all season just incredible yeah uh, it, it truly is impressive um so he, once he realizes that he cannot he can't save the woman he loves the woman that he he's come across time for sarah connor he cannot <laughs> save her and so he he looks around and he says at that moment for the first time I was able to see beyond myself and understand that for every, every, you know, body standing in this room, there was someone who mourned their loss and particularly, you know, somber. He says, even if they didn't know why they, Mm. you know, they just mourned. And so he, he goes back to the room. He plants himself back on the table and they return him to duty. And when he goes back, he tells, you know, the, this elder woman in, in the tribe, he says, we can't bring them back. But he gives her a lock of her son, who he saw there, the one who disappeared, her his hair. And he gives yeah. it to her. And she just breaks down. And it's very sad, Duncan. But yeah. he says... I can't bring him back, but I know how to close one door and I know how to open another. And then we cut away from them. Mm-hmm. After this, there's other things happening. There, other things happening, but who knew Duncan and, and frankly, who cares? I like, <laughs> I like a catch day. I like what's happening here. I want to stay. Um, stay <laughs> with me. You better hope and pray that you'll wake someday back in your own world. Ooh, surprisingly appropriate. Yes? <laughs> Fuck. Do you think Westworld's based on that song? See if Westworld closes on that song. Like, the last ever episode closes on that song. We'll know. That would... Yeah, but we'll know well in advance anyway. We're in the noble. Yeah. Season 2, Duncan and Bo, uh, pretty smart. Pretty smart. Cookies. I get the feeling that I get the feeling that season three, Duncan and Bo go to Westworld will ridicule season two, Duncan and Bo as being silly. I can't imagine. I think they'll look back on this time with nothing but respect and, and reverence. <laughs> uh, I'm so glad we took a detour into Shakespeare's sister. By the way, yeah, it's a good song. It Love is. A, song. Yeah, it's a real good song. That's uh, that's uh, some former Banana Rama uh, ladies. Mm-hmm. Anyway, you know, edutainment. You just wanted to say you literally just wanted to say Banana Rama because it's fun to say, and because I immediately think of them doing Cruel Summer, and I like it. Yeah, it is a cruel, cruel summer. <laughs> Don't do it. I'm not. I, I'm, I, can I, hear, I can hear the gears. I can actually physically hear the gears over Skype. Like, yeah, well, it was that thing of like, how much of this song do I know? 
How can how much can I get away with? Because I I don't think I remember it all off the top of my head. Did I tell you, Duncan? I don't think I did. So last night I went to bed at ten thirty, about ten thirty eleven, my usual bedtime. Woke up at two thirty in the morning. No good <laughs> I reason. Do recall, I do recall uh, a story somewhere recorded on this episode where you may have confirmed that this may involve us going either silly or you passing out so uh, i see that it's clearly with you passing out because nothing silly has happened on this episode (laughs) thank goodness it's about time (laughs) we did this with a straight face so in the next scene lee is checking on mave who is partially opened up on the table in a pretty pretty good makeup effects uh job here yeah yeah, this is this is really well done, and it, it kind of sounds like when he said to the guy, "Right, she needs to survive, patch her up, she needs to live." What this guy heard was interrogate her code and cut her open and leave her looking like a cenobite. <laughs> yeah, she she is cenobite esque in this scene. Yeah, <laughs> and and Lee has the uh, this moment, another emotional moment in this episode. Where Lee says, you didn't deserve this. You deserved your daughter. And he takes her hand. And it seems like Maeve is aware of what's happening, but she can't speak. Yeah. And so the tech returns and he says, you know, I got to thank you. We found this anomalous code. And Lee is saying, like, hey, man, you got to, like, get her back on her feet. Like, don't leave her like this. And he says, look, her fate is up to Charlotte Hale. And yeah. you and you see Maeve kind of widen the eyes a little bit, like Charlotte Hale. Good to know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Storing that one. Yeah, saving that one in the old memory banks, literally. Yeah. So we leave them uh, there and go to Akechte, who begins showing this symbol to all his people. So his job now is just. Like going to everyone and and showing them this symbol and and sort of letting them begin that process of of consciousness of sentience and um then like there's this scene you're gonna have to explain to me because I'm not sure I totally understood it the the bit where he scalps the guy like uh the the buddy of his from the tribe who yep. says like you need to hide this from them. Is that what was it like because he had the thing on his head? Yeah. Okay. He's got the symbol. Okay. Okay. Just making sure I had that right because I didn't feel like that was explicit enough for stupid old Bo. <laughs> um, but he says, you know, I w- which means by the next episode you bought that, as you recall last week, Duncan, I told you all about that that point where his friend was scalped <laughs> for hiding the purposes of the design in his scalp. <laughs> and you didn't know, silly Duncan. <laughs> Look at me, I'm Bo. I'm so fucking awesome. If you think I'll wait till the next episode for that. <laughs> wait till you see this. Yeah. So, like I was saying, Duncan. <laughs> the catch day scalps this guy. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> But Akechte says, you know, I was I was constantly trying to to, to wake everyone up. But uh, he says, you know, in this world, intentions are often misunderstood, and 
so the the moments of him skulking around uh the this you know cabin in the prairie what what Maeve and her daughter presumed was this big threat was in fact him literally watching over them because he had drawn the symbol for them. He knew that they were, you know, on the path. Yeah. And uh, he says he tried to keep them safe. And then he says, but there was someone else watching too. And that's where we see William come into their home. Yeah. And that's the scene we've seen many, many times when William comes in and shits up shit and then we see Maeve carry her daughter out and then collapse inside the sand the symbol of the maze yes indeed Duncan this all feels like it's coming full circle and that's another thing I really like about this episode is that it does pepper in those moments where it's like oh yeah this is from you know like when Arnold is killed and and, uh, you know this is from the second uh, Sweetwater Massacre, and this yeah. is from it, this moment, and it cleverly, it cleverly dates it and gives context to the character without, you know, five years later, you know, three years earlier, that sort of thing. It does what Westworld does really well, and that it plays with time in a way which is not necessarily dis- disorientating, but at the same time feels necessary for the story um, and fits. That no, of course he was there at that point. It, it just kind of works. Um, a Ketchity continues his journey. Um, needless to say, and and, and will come face to face with with uh, someone who has not only frozen a bunch of American Indians attacking a giant bear, but is in the process of scalping one bull, as yep. you do on a Saturday night. We've all been there. Oh, sure. I mean, when we uh, sit around our park of robots we've made. Um. Yeah, it's just a good time. Every now and again, you're you're gonna kill one of them, just mm-hmm. just to see, just to see what it's like. Just, Duncan. just. But like Ford's doing it deliberately uh, for a reason, not just for for shits and gigs. Uh, he's actually he's doing it because he's taken the scalp off one of the the Native Americans and found that the symbol is underneath, and Akechite is slowly moving up, knife drawn bow. Getting ready to put yeah. some shit up, but you know you don't sneak up on Ford. Ford knows everything and everyone and where they are and all the rest. Yeah, and he kind of sticks uh, Ketchte in analysis mode and and sort of freezes him up a little bit. And he says, uh, "You've been watching me, Ketchte, but I've been watching you too." And uh, you know, and there there's a bit of. Like when he's got him in an analysis mode, he's he he says, um, like, what is your basic programming? And you know, a catch day says, well, to bring honor to my tribe, and <laughs> and he's like, but he says, you know, but then I learned a new path or like a new path or something, and and basically saying like I kind of reprogrammed myself over all these years. And Ford says, well, you know, when I die, a catch day, you will know to lead your people. And then, sure enough, you know, oh, and he, he freezes him there. He's like, you can watch a little while longer. And being kind of creepy, Ford, uh, as opposed to warm and cuddly Ford, I suppose, yeah. uh, in, in this show. But so we, we do another flash forward, and it's a catch day coming across the ruins of, of Ford's big party. Yeah, so this is the end of season one. 
we're bringing this up to date now. End of season one, um, he arrives, everyone's been massacred, and sees Ford dead at the podium. Yeah, and so he mentions the Deathbringer a couple of times. And is the Deathbringer is Dolores, right? Yep. Okay. Not explicitly stated. I'm not giving you that one completely. Yeah, I, th- well, I think that's fair because we have um, the Ford's the what do they call him again? The the uh, like creator or something like that. Yeah, the creator. The creator's killed by the Deathbringer. Um, and it's definitely not William because they don't refer to him as the Deathbringer in that scene. So by process of elimination, Bo, it must be must be Dolores. Um, and you know, so he arrives there. He sees that that this is the trigger for him to rescue his people, to take them out of the park like Ford had promised. You know, to well, not necessarily out of the park, but to get them away. Um, and as a result, we are led to believe that is why he makes his way to rescue the Maeve's daughter. It's because he considers it an act of kindness, which has been misinterpreted as an act of aggression. Right. And and so earlier when he says to Maeve, we're on the same path, he was being genuine. Yeah. So uh, I don't remember things from earlier episodes. <laughs> um, <laughs> Didn't say that. I said that you repurpose them both to make yourself sound better than you are. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. Um, <laughs> so I think you find Duncan. That's what I said. I think if you listen back to this, <laughs> once I'm done editing, you'll find. Yeah, I think if you listen back to this edited version, you'll find it that you said nothing there, Duncan. Nothing. <laughs> hey. Truth is perception, Duncan. Um, you, you you weirdly called yourself an ignorant slut. Also, in an American accent. Well done, Duncan. I really should. Like, if I had the gumption, I would do an episode <laughs> that was me and sound clips of you. <laughs> Actually, just, just like jumbled sound clips. So you're like, yeah, and then this happens. Um, and then I predicted this right, that this would happen, didn't I, Duncan? Yes, Bo, you are awesome. <laughs> right. <laughs> like Mr. Black. You know, it'll be one of those things where I gotta <laughs> fill in a word occasionally. It doesn't all sync together just right. Yeah. It's like a real, uh, my voice is my passport. Verify me. Yes. Boy, bringing out all the golden oldies tonight. Anyway. Um, so (laughs) he, uh, uh, so he he says, yeah, I gotta go, uh, find the door before the death bringer, uh, destroys us all. Mm. And he heads back, um, to his camp. And this is kind of where we catch up to the present, which is William, uh, him telling the story, a catch day telling the story to Maeve's daughter and William being, all bloody and and petulant uh, at the base of a tree. Yeah. And Grace. Remember Grace, Duncan? I believe I predicted the last episode, although when I say I predicted, it was the logical step that we both agreed on that Grace would rescue her father. But Grace arrives just in the nick of time. And an extra horse. 
Yep. And there's a pretty good conversation where uh, Grace says, like, hey, I've, I, look, I'm not looking for a fight here. I just want to take William. And uh, he says, uh, like, a catch day is like, I'm not so sure about that. And he's, uh, Grace says, well, why are you healing him if, you know, uh, you're just going to kill him? And he's like, no, no, no. I'm not killing him. It's just I want him to hurt. So I'm keeping him alive so he can continue to hurt. And then Grace says, well, it sounds like we want the same thing uh, then. Only... Yeah, but me, yeah I'll do it worse. Right. My way <laughs> is like, going to ah! hurt worse. And, oh, a ca- oh, no. <laughs> and a catch day, in fairness, is like, well, all right. And lets him go. <laughs> she's like, I, but, yeah, I believe you, I, I think- suppose. Yeah, but I don't think she's going to hurt him per se. I think she's going to heal him, and I think that's the point. Is like she's very much aware that William's dying, and it's not a nice death that he's going to have. It's going to be a very, very horrible, slow, painful death. That's why he's so gung ho about you know the the safety's being taken off these hosts. Is he wants a real chance to experience you know real danger before he dies and put, put his wits against it. And her, I think her version of punishment on him is really that she's going to heal him and take him out of the park and he's going to die this, you know, horribly painful death out with the confines of what he wants. Yeah. That's how I see that playing out. And that, to me, is the worst death. You know what I mean? Because at some level, if William dies in the park of the gunshot wounds that he got from hosts and all the rest, he kind of dies the the hero's death that he wanted. You know what I mean? And she's going to deny him that. And that's, that's kind of cold, Bo. Yeah. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it's a, like, I like the cut of Grace's jib quite a bit, uh, overall. And mm-hmm. especially in this episode. Um, I, I think that William, I, th- I think you're right that if William were forced to leave the park early, that would be its own punishment. Dying yeah. on his way out of the park would be terrible. And, yes. you know, yeah, he's he's in a position where the only thing to satisfy him is an answer to something that he doesn't, at least at this point, seem capable of obtaining anymore. And yeah. and maybe that is the best punishment for what he's done time and time again. Is, well, it's, it's, it's poetic justice to what he did to Papa Delos, isn't it? Very true, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's this the exact reenactment of that is this being denied the, the you know the the answer to the question or the the ability to have the thing that you think you're entitled to you deserve through all the evil deeds that you've done, and that's what makes him. I think that's what makes William one of the most interesting characters in here is that the the, the kind of karmic retribution that has been wrought upon him. Even with his redemption that the character is going through, I mean, he he has done some nice things. Even that is not enough to balance the scales of all the evil fucking shit he's done. Um, And, you know, that will continue on. And, yeah, um, I can't can't wait to see what's going to happen with with Grace. you know, whether or not, because you got to remember, he had kind of won her over, then he fucked her over. Right. So she's she's not going to fall for this whole, you know, we'll sleep on it and we'll 
get ready to move in the morning. That's not going to happen. And you've got to imagine that she's going to be taking him to the Mesa or out. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that plays out in, in the next two episodes. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm real curious to see how William's story plays out because it it does take a really if not surprising, at least one of those turns where it's like, I don't think he's going to get what he wants. And probably he shouldn't. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Just, so let's move to our last moment uh, of the of this episode. We we leave a catch day who says basically to his, his group, like, hey, saddle up. It's time to go. We're getting the fuck out of Dodge. Then we move to the the Mesa where Maeve is under analysis as well, and Charlotte Hale uh, does arrive. And the tech says, hey, Maeve here is the only one with admin access, and that she has been able to use this mesh communication that they all have, not just to... Um, to communicate with the other hosts, but to control them, which is something that obviously Charlotte Hale at all would very much like to do at this moment. Mm. And Charlotte looks at all these readings and she says, uh, well, she hasn't just been doing this before she's doing it right now. She is talking yeah. to someone using this, you know, sub network, this very second and Charlotte Hale does the perfect setup of I wonder who the fuck she's talking to and of course it's a catch day mm-hmm. who says uh in this line is so fucking good Duncan because <laughs> uh, he says like we're gonna keep your daughter safe like our own and then he says if you live find us if not die well mm. Mm. That's some. That is some man shit to say to someone. I like that. <laughs> I, but she returns. She returns the, the the line that he said to um, Kohana earlier on, and you know about the you know that about the heart. You know, take my heart with you or whatever it was. Um, yeah. She she repeats that line back to him and this once again this great scene of poignance um and yeah we we scroll out of what was a, a you could argue is a more subdued episode but i think one that that packs a whole hell of a lot of punch and once again moves the story forward even if it is just incrementally it ties up some questions we had um uh, you know, uh, the ability to jump about in time through the different stages of Westworld is, I think, some of the, the strengths of the show is making those connections between certain events that have happened um, and the, the continuation of certain characters. I thought just across the board this episode was fucking bitching. Um, acting on a really high level, the the scene in the, you know, the, the kind of icebox area uh, with the rendition of heart shaped box and just the the emotional um dialogue and the way the actors played it was fucking incredible and yeah this episode is officially fucking awesome i i think it's one of the strongest but like i say for all the well i think i said this off air 
and then we had to swing in. Yeah, I think this is one of the strongest episodes of the season for all the reasons that it's not as it's against the grain of the things that made other episodes so stand out this season. In that it's not hyper violent. It's not relying on you know these you know like ridiculous death scenes and these you know these uh, hosts just going on the rampage or whatnot. If anything, this injects the humanity, the the soul, which I think you get from the worlds that they've built. We have only ever seen the Ghost Nation as savages, and then to cut beneath that surface and get their story, I think, it, you know, it was it, it was worthy of an episode, was worthy of a whole episode, um, and yeah, we are two episodes away from the end now, so a whole hell of a. I imagine that. We are going to, on this next episode coming up, we are going to reach where everyone wants to be. Uh, and we're probably going to get the fallout of that encounter and the troops arriving on the beach and finding Bernard, you know, etc., etc. in the last episode. So we are so tantalizingly close. We, we are. And the other thing I really like about this episode is it gave me a new character that I, I just love. Um, yeah, I think I, a catch this day whole is season's great. been doing that. You know what I mean? This whole season has been just thrown out. You think about Akane. Um, it was Akane, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Akane and uh, Musashi and Henry. Yeah, uh, you spend you spend like an episode with, and you just like I would happily follow a season with those characters, and I'm in exactly the same position with with this one. I, I would happily follow. Like a whole season following the Ghost Nation, I thought I th- I think the stories are so well written and so compelling, and the characters are so great that it, it's difficult. It's difficult and rewarding at the same time to just spend a bit of time, even if it's just one episode in their company, uh, and then move back on with our main story. I think it, I think they do it really, really, really well. And yeah, I'll shut up now so you can finish your sentence. Uh, well, no, I, I was just going to say, uh, kind of concluding, I, I suppose, my own thoughts on this episode, is that something that you astutely pointed out until I do the edit on the show <laughs> was that this is an episode that kind of can't exist without the timeline we've already established, at least yeah. in the way that it's presented, because, you know, like you said, the... The whole structure of this episode is here was the thing that was happening in the show or in Westworld that was significant, and here's how Akechte was right around the edges of it. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's really well done. It's a it's a it's a nice like inhalation before we hit the last two episodes while still giving us great characters and great moments and and yeah that the scene with him going through the mesa with heart-shaped box playing is one of the best scenes i've seen in anything this year yeah it's incredible all right duncan i think there endeth episode uh eight of season two of westworld um Mm -hmm. before we get out of here duncan uh here here's what you're gonna do Get, give me uh give me where people can find you and if you're if you're looking forward to watching anything coming up uh yeah so you can check me out on podcast under the stairs it's on facebook facebook.com forward slash grips forward slash t cast 
um, or check us out on iTunes, visit our website, tputzcast.com. Um, and the time this episode comes out, uh, I will have dropped an interview with um, a, a kind of collective of people that are doing some really cool work in Glasgow promoting like smaller cinema. Uh, so like movies that you all know and love, but uh, for, for screenings of up to about 50 people. Um, like super cool what they're doing over there. I will have also dropped an Italian collection of the 88 films variety episode on Zombie 3, aka Zombie Flesh Eaters 2, which I've never seen before. It's by Fulci. And um, we'll have rattled out a hundred movies that will be covered over the Summer Teapot's Top 10 and the official announcement release this coming Monday. Uh, a, a great series which Bo himself will be part of. Um, so very much looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of what I'm looking forward to watching, uh, I think by the next time we will record, I may have seen the new Sicario movie. Oh. So Sicario Soldado. Um, I think there's a chance I will have seen that. Because I think it's, it's getting an advanced screening. I think my friend has got his tickets. It's a mystery movie advanced screening, but it's the only one I think that they would be doing an advanced screening on. So there's a good chance I will have seen that before our next recording. It's Miss Congeniality um, 3. Well, the joke was that there's also a really bad looking fucking chick flick movie called The Bookstore or The Book Club, which looks awful. That's also out in the same week. So we're kind of hoping, because it's a mystery movie, we're hoping they go with the action one and not the, the chick flick, because uh, that movie did look fucking dreadful. Um, I so I yeah, look I forward to hearing about the book club. Uh, <laughs> you motherfucker. You motherfucker. Uh, but yeah, there's there's other stuff on Netflix I need to check out. I'm behind on Shudder. I know there's been a couple of movies out on Shudder as well. Um, so I, the velocity of watching will not stop. So by, chat, by the time we record next, uh, I will. I should have seen a good few things. And Bo, I don't even need to ask you what you're watching because it's clearly Neon Demon. Yes, I will. All right, here are the two movies that I plan to see before <laughs> the next recording. Uh, it's it's Neon Demon and Hereditary. Oh, so oh. Uh, so when and and probably uh, the next episode will get a little bit into Hereditary after we've both seen it. So I think that I think that's fair. Plus, it will have been out in the UK for about a week by then, and it will have been out in the states for almost three. So yeah. All right, well, uh, folks, if, if you want to hear more out of me, just head over to LegionPodcasts dot com, uh, where you can catch the tail end of Pick Six Movies, um, which we are uh, dropped the fifth episode of just today uh, well as we're recording this as you're listening to it just within the past couple of days um mm -hmm. which is on sharky's machine which is basically if burt reynolds directed himself in vertigo and didn't understand that it was supposed to be creepy oh god yeah it's pretty <laughs> weird so uh i encourage you to check that out and uh, and I think that's going to do it, Duncan. I think I think that's a show. I think it's a good show. I I tend to agree. I'm going to go collapse now. Say good night, Duncan. Good night, Duncan. Goodbye. How can I just let you walk away? Just
just let you leave without a trace. 